Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. This morning we're going to be looking at a passage in Ephesians that talks um, about warfare. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I watched a film with Connor who studied film at university that was quite gory, quite violent. I came out a little bit traumatised. It was set during the 13th century. And what I learned from this film about the the 13th century is that they did not hold back at all. Life was pretty brutal. Their judicial system, uh, punishment, family roles, poverty, everything was brutal in the 13th century. Life was really hard. And even more so for women, and and the film depicted that really clearly. But there was one battle scene uh, that really, really stuck in my head. There were two armies, both on horseback, uh, hiding in this forest for a while. And then at one point, uh, one of the men called that it was time to fight. uh, And they immediately charged at the opposing armies with spears, screaming and shouting, puncturing people's chests, knocking people off their horses with their shields. People were getting stamped on. They were absolutely giving it everything they had. And today I want to talk about what it means to be in battle, a Christian in battle. Because the Bible talks many times about how we are, as Christians, constantly at war. And maybe there are some of us here this morning and you might feel like you're in a battle today. You might feel like you're quite often in a battle with your emotions, uh, in your thoughts, in your internal world. Um, Or perhaps you feel like you're in a real battle with someone else right now, a family member or a friend who there just seems to be constant problems with, Um, or maybe you're in a battle for your health. There are so, so many ways in which simply living in this world can make us feel as though we're at war. Um, And the Bible tells us this is actually not a coincidence, because there's a spiritual war that we're all in as believers. So we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 24. So you've got your Bibles with you, you can read along with me. That's Ephesians 6, 10 to 24. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Titius, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I'm doing and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So as we've outlined already and read in these verses, it is clear that we have an enemy and that he's at war against us. And sometimes it's really obvious in our lives and sometimes it's not obvious at all. So what is spiritual attack? It is the battle going on between God and the enemy, demons and angels, the battle going on in the spiritual world around us. And for us, the battle predominantly takes place in our minds and in our hearts. I remember when I was 15 and I'd just become a Christian and a a woman at my church gave me a book called Battle for the Mind. And it taught me about the spiritual warfare that would go on in my head. It taught me to expect that the enemy will try and plague me with thoughts that will distract me, make me doubt God's goodness, cause me anxiety and insecurity, but that I had the creator of the universe on my side. It taught me that God had given me an identity and so much truth that I could use as a weapon and that I would have to take up my sword of truth and fight. So we're going to talk about that today. So what does a spiritual battle look or feel like? How do we know if we're under attack? Because sometimes it can be really easy to think, oh, the devil's attacking me when things go wrong in our lives. And that isn't necessarily always the case. I want to reiterate that there is a difference between living with the consequences of being in a broken world and being attacked spiritually. As I said, sometimes the spiritual battles in our lives are really big, glaringly obvious obstacles and problems that we must overcome. And other times they're more subtle and they can creep up on us slowly without us noticing. But the good news that I do have this morning is that we have a big God on our side. We have a redeemer a father, a friend, and a king who is powerful. And we have this power living within us. It's on our side. So as we start this morning by thinking about the spiritual battle that we're all in, let's remember that we have the power of God on our side and we know the ending of this battle already. That when God sent his son to the cross to die for us, he was victorious over death and over evil. And we can celebrate this victory. So as I mentioned earlier, the way that we fight this spiritual war is with the truth of the gospel. We can see in our passage this morning that Paul calls us to action. There's a very active role for us to play in this fight. The phrases of instruction here are uh, put on and take up. We cannot go into the battle unarmed. We cannot sit still and hope that this battle will just pass us by. We must be ready and active. As you all will have noticed, Earlier this week, we had a crazy, intense heat wave. Uh, I don't think I've ever felt those temperatures in the UK before, and I'm very relieved it's cooled down now. Uh, But on Monday, which is my day off, uh, a friend and I rather naively decided to go on a walk somewhere near the Peak District. And we ended up packing a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff, a lot of equipment, basically, for this walk. I had a cap, uh, Factor 40 sun cream, two massive bottles of water, a cool box, food, a blanket for us to lie on uh, when we stopped to rest. And we ended up successfully going for a walk and having a picnic in 35 degree heat. But this was only because we came super pre- prepared. We were really out in the middle of nowhere, but because we'd brought everything we could possibly need for any eventuality, we avoided getting heat stroke and I didn't even get burnt. We went into our battle against the sun, well-armed, and we came out unscathed. So how do we, as Christians, go into battle armed and ready to go, like those 13th century soldiers I saw in that film? How do we protect ourselves and give it everything we've got? What is our our game plan? I want to put to you this morning that firstly, it's that we must ditch the weapons that don't work. And then secondly, we must put on our armour. 
So as I mentioned earlier, as part of my role at CCM, I'm working on um, setting up this new site of CCM in Spanish. And we're still very much in the beginning stages of it. But we do now have a service that meets uh, once every two weeks, which we're really excited about. Um, but we've definitely been on a long process with getting this service started up. We started thinking and praying about it about two years ago. Um, and in the early stages of this, we were still in the middle of the first lockdown. Um, so the thing that we were doing was organising online Bible studies with um, a really small group of Spanish speakers. And I knew that God had spoken to me uh, about doing this because of uh, a dream that I'd had and some other confirmation I had along the way. But the whole thing just felt really hard. It felt like everything we were trying to do just wasn't working. And, and during that time, I had a Zoom call with uh, a Mexican New Frontiers pastor who leads a church out in Mexico, just for some advice. And as soon as I told him about our Zoom Bible studies, he straight away, um, and I, I kind of explained as well that no one, no one was really coming on these calls anymore. Uh, and he straight away told me, you're using a very English strategy. And he said, as Latinos, we love to hang out, socialize together, have fun. Tequila and tacos are in our culture. So you need to reach them with that, basically, before you try and do any Bible studies. Um, and I said to him, I don't think I can provide them with tequila and tacos. And also, we're in the middle of a winter lockdown, so that's, that's going to be really hard. Uh, and then he simply advised me that before I even try and do any Bible studies on Zoom with them, um, that I just spend time getting to know them, speak to them individually on the phone or go on, go on a walk with them. He would pointed out that I was using an inappropriate strategy for the task at hand. I was using strategies that would work well in a UK environment, but not necessarily in a Latin American context, because these cultures are really, really different. And similarly, in our passage this morning, Paul points out that we cannot use worldly weapons, worldly strategies for a completely spiritual battle. In verse 12, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And again, in 2 Corinthians 10, he says something similar. He says, uh, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So Paul knows that you cannot fight something uh, supernatural with something natural, something otherworldly with something worldly. He's saying these weapons of, of, of the world do not work, so you might as well put them down and pick up the weapons that do work. So what are some of these weapons of the world that we might try and arm ourselves with that prove to fail us time and time again? I can think of a few that I've, I've definitely used in my life. Firstly, um, avoidance. Perhaps you're experiencing pain or struggle in your life. The battle is really coming up against you. And in order to deal with it, you just avoid it. Ignore the fact that it exists. You watch TV, comfort eat, lose yourself in a video game or make yourself really busy so that you're never left alone with your thoughts. These are really textbook worldly tactics to deal with the way that the enemy might be trying to attack you. But as many of us may have learned, um, avoidance doesn't work. Whenever we avoid pain and try to distract ourselves from it, it will just show itself up in other areas of our lives. Secondly, another one that I've definitely used uh, is what I like to call emotional dumping. This is when you, you have multiple battles going on in your life. Um, stuff is hard and difficult, but the way that you deal with it is that you make them everyone else's responsibility and not your own. Now, this is a really tough one, uh, but I can testify to the fact that it doesn't work. I remember a few years ago, I was going through a particularly difficult season and my emotions were kind of all over the place, as, as they should be and, and would be, you know, when you're going through a hard time. Uh, but the only way I knew how to deal with them 
was to consistently tell everyone else my problems. And I would grow really frustrated when people wouldn't give me their time to listen and advise whenever I would ask them. And I could, I could actually feel I was beginning to wear other people down, trying to get them uh, to tell me what they thought I should do. I made my problems everyone else's responsibility because I couldn't face them myself. And this is not to say that we should keep our struggles to ourselves. The Bible uh, actually advises us to carry each other's burdens because we're family in Christ. And so sharing our pain um, is what we're called to do. But if we're unable to accept responsibility for things that happen in our lives and it becomes an unhealthy pattern of expecting others to solve everything for us, then we are using the wrong weapon to fight a spiritual battle. God does not want us to live this way. He wants to bring freedom to those areas of our lives filled with struggle and strongholds. He wants us to use the spiritual weapons that will really help us win this war that is being fought against us. So any weapon that is from this world, whether it's being educated enough, fit enough, attractive enough, avoiding pain with distraction or emotional dumping on others, it's not going to be adequate for the spiritual battle. So now that we've, we've looked at some of the things that don't work, we're going to focus on what Paul says will work for us. So in verses 13 to 18, Paul lists off all of the spiritual weapons that we are to use to fight off what the enemy will try and throw at us. As I was reading through these spiritual weapons this week, I was struck by actually how, how practical these weapons are. They're practical, yet not of this world. He mentions uh, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. And these are things that we can practically put on ourselves in our lives. And I think a really common misconception with the spiritual battle is that instead of doing anything practical to pick yourself up in life, you must simply uh, search for where the enemy is working in your life and just pray against it. Now, prayer is always the answer, don't get me wrong. But I believe these weapons that God has given us are for us to actively and practically pick up and put on. Firstly, we must put on the belt of truth. In the Bible, the devil is described as being the father of lies. One of his main tactics is to get us to believe lies about God, about ourselves and about others. This was one of uh, the first tactics he used on Eve in the Garden of Eden. When she was toying with the idea of eating the fruit that God had commanded them not to eat, he whispered in her ear a lie and he basically just said, God didn't surely say you would die. Or in other words, what God said isn't really true. It'll be fine if you just do it. And we can see this time and time again in our own lives as well. Sometimes the enemy will use our own experiences in life to form what we believe. A few years ago, uh, I went on a, on a year-long mission trip to Nicaragua in Central America. And I went and lived with a Nicaraguan family and worked for a local church there. And I learned a lot of Spanish in that year, but it was a really difficult year for me. Um, the organisation that I'd gone to work for had kind of crumbled and fell apart as I got there. So there wasn't really much for me to do. Um, and I struggled to relate with people and find friendships. And in the midst of this, I um, ended up becoming the subject of other people's judgment in the church. A lot of people were kind of saying, she's not a good missionary. She doesn't really do anything. She's lazy. She isn't even trying hard enough um, here. And the more this began to happen, the more I slowly began to believe these lies that people were saying over me. And then when I came back home to Manchester, I struggled for a long time as I was believing these lies from the enemy that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't deserve to be in a church role, and that I had to work to earn acceptance from others and from God. The enemy had used the words of others and spun them into lies that I believed. 
But when I began to fight back against what the enemy was trying to do, trying to whisper in my ear with truths from the Bible, I began to see change. I remember a clear turning point in this journey for me was when I learned um, Psalm 139 uh, off, by, off by heart. And I would recite it over myself uh, in any moment that I could feel that fear and inadequacy just starting to come in. Um, and, and that psalm is, is so full of truth about who God says that we are. And so as a weapon, it really worked. The fact is, the enemy knows that everything the Bible says about us as Christians is true. James 2 verse 19 says, you, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The enemy knows that you've been, been forgiven for your past. He knows that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He knows that you have been given the victory. He knows that you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of a sound mind. And so because he knows all these things are true about you, he will simply just try to distract, discourage and cause you down. So this is why we must, as the verses say, stand firm in the truth of God's word. We need to identify the lies that we're believing and seek out those opposite verses in the Bible to counter the lies. So to put on this armour of God, we must know God's word really well. We must arm ourselves with the truth. Another weapon that Paul urges us to use is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is for us to use when we begin to doubt God's forgiveness of our sins. And the enemy might try and throw accusations at us. It's, it can be all too easy to look back on certain times in our lives and believe that maybe God is still cringing at those things when he thinks about it. And he's still simmering with anger for those things as well. The enemy would love for us to believe that we're not free, that we're not forgiven and we're still in debt to God. One of my favourite verses to use um, as a breastplate of righteousness comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 21, which says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the really simple gospel that we must use to fight this spiritual war. That there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That if you've accepted Jesus as your saviour, then what he did in dying for you on the cross, taking your sin onto himself and giving you the identity of righteous before God, that is enough to make you clean. Um, Connor and I got married about three months ago and since we got married I'm getting so used to having to say the word I'm sorry very very often. Um, some of you might be able to relate to this as well but the wonderful thing about being married to Connor is, is that I do know that however annoying I've been um, or however I've messed up we are in a, a covenant relationship. So I know that when I say I'm sorry and I ask for forgiveness he's not reluctant he forgives me and we can just crack on. And in the same way we're, we're in a covenant relationship with God he cannot break his promise of forgiveness and of love to us. And although the enemy would love for us to believe that he does and that he can, um, that even when we repent, it's not enough. We no longer have to worry or wonder about where we're at with God. Once we've come before him with a sincere heart and asked for his, asked for his forgiveness, uh, he will give it to us. 